0: Buckle that belt. The neighbor is already threatening to call the cops. He's pissed.
1: If you get anxious, man, you just pop these little guys.
0: People out here looking like Paul Feinbaum trying to tell us what to do with our hair. In my overserved state, I went to the wrong house. No, it was the right house. Okay. Dive bar means the beer is cold, the drinks aren't too expensive, and the hamburgers are great. They are a unified front in doing their very best to keep me between the proverbial navigational beacons good morning y'all welcome to the marty smith podcast here at outsider i'm marty he's west travis is hung over uh has been for days on end now evergreen statement i am somehow not hung over at this moment but i had a i mean i had a day yesterday gentlemen uh on saturday i got up at 4:45, like i do every saturday to do <clears throat> the television program that i do with ryan mcgee on the Southeastern Conference Network, went and did the show, blew out of there with a segment to go, barely made an airplane to Minneapolis, Minnesota, where Laney and I went and saw Eric Church and Morgan Wallen on Saturday night at the Viking Stadium, which is called U.S. Bank Field, I think. And there were, uh, we were there with about 55 or so thousand of our best friends, and the guy in the last row was giving it every ounce that he had, just like we were. Uh, it was an amazing show we had an absolute blast partied and hung out until about 4:30 in the morning got a car over to our hotel grabbed our bags went straight to the airport took a 6 15 a.m flight home got to charlotte uh buzz still working and we spent our evening uh, at our daughter's dance recital, which, just for the record, not that I'm counting, but it was 59 numbers. What does that at mean at the dance recital? 59. That numbers. means there were 59 different dances. Wes, 50, 59 different dances. I see. And, uh, it. That sounds like hell. It was. Uh, it was quite. A, it was quite an evening. I'm so proud of my little girls. Mia's 13. Vivian's 10. They both absolutely slayed. I will tell you, it's a very unique brand of inspiration to watch your children chase passions. And when you know the work that's been put in to improve and the work that's been put in to make sure that they're prepared for all of those numbers. I mean, Mia, I don't know how many she was in specifically, but I mean, I'm positive it was 10 or more different numbers she was in and I don't know how the hell you memorize all of those steps and remember all of those movements and have the charisma and the presence to make sure that you're completely engaged in every one of those and she did that and Vivian did that too and uh, in her several numbers I don't know how many she did either but it was a bunch and Good, good job good job girls. it was pretty awesome man so uh, I'm a little bit on fumes, self-inflicted as well, and it's been quite a week, man. What's I mean, the concession
1: that... situation like at a dance recital? They serve well, uh, snacks and pops. You can go.
0: You you can buy flowers for your daughters if you so desire. Uh, you can get some Lay's potato chips. Uh, there's the occasional uh, Reese's cup there, mm. uh, which Travis brought it to my attention that. Other people are now considering the pronunciation of Reese Is that accurate?
2: Uh, yeah. we. I think we started something last week. Yeah. Saw a uh, few locations. And
1: Often imitated, never duplicated, the Marty Smith podcast on Outsider. Yeah.
0: There's not a whole lot of people who have uh, so much uh, overwhelming reach. Uh, Athens, Georgia, Nashville, Tennessee, Charlotte, North Carolina. We have a 300-mile radius pegged. Uh, but – what y'all been up to this
2: week, man? Uh, I, I did a whole lot of live golf talking. So back to the mm-hmm. concession, though, have you and the other dads stumbled upon the hack nope. of going out to your car in between dances where your girls aren't y'all out getting,
1: there? Y'all getting hammered at that thing, I know. Nope.
0: Uh, I will tell you, in the past, there, when it was at a different location, we were right next door to this festival, that was going on and there was a mobile beer cart this was a really cool deal actually this was pre-covid 2018 2019 somewhere around in there and this guy had a trailer that he pulled behind his dually and it had like four taps on the side plugged into the side of the trailer and it had like a concession window and you went up to that guy and you'd be like i want uh i want a logger Or I want an IPA, and he'd hand you a cup, and you'd give him your 350 or whatever it was, and you filled her right up. Pre-game in the dance recital. We got tuned up during the intermission. (laughs) I mean, we got tuned up, and there's no way I could have done that on Sunday, though. I'm telling you, you can't imagine, Laney and I were licking our wounds all day long, and... It's one thing to do it when you're 21. I mean, Hank Jr. wasn't wrong when he said the hangovers hurt more than they used to. Mm. Because la- I was such a useless piece of trash all day long. I mean, I, I sat in the dance recital. I put on a suit to try to look nice for my little girls. And I was way overdressed, for the record. Shocker. And I wore sunglasses in the dark for a while. Oh, my <laughs> Because gosh. I was just doing every – I mean, it's a lot of lights at the dance recital. And Laney and I, we even got called out by the dance recital owner or the dance studio owner, uh, lead instructor, because we always sit up front. She goes, I can't see anybody out there because the lights are so bright, but I know the Smiths are sitting in seat one and seat two because they have for nine straight years. And that is the truth. And then we learn, Laney gets a text at intermission from Mia saying it's really hard – to be, what word did she use? She used a great word. It wasn't demonstrative. It wasn't, uh, uh, I, I don't know. Articulate. I don't, remember, I don't remember what word it was, but she's like, it's really hard to do with your parents staring right at you in the first row. Oh. And we're sitting there going, well, damn, we paid extra money so that you would know we were here. Next time we'll sit in 42D. Back there by the John.
2: I uh, I took dance lessons as a kid cut for two years. Did you know that? Oh, okay. I'm all yours. What were you like? uh, Were those kids crisscross? Do you know them? So hip hop uh, kids. A very close family friend used to have a dance studio, and so I think for two years, I forget the age, I did. uh, I took dance lessons. There was one year where there was four other guys. uh, We had these fake like tuxedos, and uh, we danced to Gangsters in Paradise. (laughs) Did you? Yeah, um, and and can can you do me a favor and and get up right now
0: and move back about yeah, ten zoom the feet camera towards out. the window? We're gonna judge your moves. I'm ready to
2: watch. Go. <laughs> if I try to get up and dance right now, I might <laughs> throw <laughs> up.
0: <laughs> 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 but yeah, Wes, so can, did, Wes can channel his inner Coolio and start singing "Gangster's Paradise." So yeah, I yeah, did I'm, that. Uh, and then... I haven't warmed out the vocals yet, quite this morning. Um, well, Wes, show me your vocal warm up.
1: Exercises. La la la. Lake Lanier loves the ladies. La 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 la. The Human Torch was denied a bank loan. La 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 Y'all do all that over at the four-letter network. Y'all have your talent coaches say, Marty, you're you're a little slow on this turn here from the K to the soft.
0: The talent. The talent coaches just skipped right over me, dude. Yeah. They knew it was a futile Lost exercise. Lost cause. I, you know, it's it's a futile exercise. I'll tell you another thing that's a futile exercise is being a ginger. There is so much that comes with being this pale. I went to the I went to the um, dermatologist the other day, and <laughs> I. So when you when you're first of all okay. So first of all, when you're a ginger. It's really then important. Lower the lights that you, a little bit when you walk in. Yes. It's really important that all folk, like, you need to worry about the sun. All right. That thing is awesome. Vitamin D is a wonderful thing. It makes you feel whole, but where you got to wear sunscreen. And I grew up on a farm and I was too proud to wear sunscreen back in the 80s, man. We didn't care. Like, Coppertone 45 was a joke. My
1: dad said they used to put, like, bacon grease on their skin to try to get a better
0: tan. Well, maybe your dad did. I didn't go that far. But I can tell you that we would throw hay bales all day long. I mean, I'm talking 10 o'clock in the morning until dark, we would be putting up this hay. And I was too – all my buddies were, like, bronze and ripped and all my buddies I played high school football with. And they didn't wear shirts, so I was like, I ain't wearing a shirt. And I was neither bronze nor ripped. Mm. But I would get torched so bad, and I'm now paying for it in my mid-40s. I go there, and I have, I have like, a couple spots on my face that I worry about. They keep recurring. And they have this, I call it a blowtorch, and it makes my oh, dermatologist laugh so, oh, this thing sucks. And And she comes in there, and she's like, the thing about your dermatologist is you can try to fool them. It's like your dentist. You go to the dentist and they're like, you been flossing? Oh, yeah, hell yeah, I've been flossing. They know you're lying through your teeth. You have not been flossing. Mm-hmm. And so literally I go in lying there through your and teeth. literally lying right through your teeth as you got your mouth wide open and they're, you know, scraping the crap. How about your the tooth. dentist that so, asks
1: you questions while your mouth uh, is being drilled upon?
0: What are you I doing? I love my dentist. I love him. He's a friend of mine. My dentist is a buddy of mine. But he went to West Virginia University and he constantly wants to ask me about the football team or the basketball team or whatever season we're in. And he's like, Man, I saw you. I saw you at that F one race. That must have been crazy. Uh, You know, you can't Yeah. You're doing your vocal exercises because that's the only sound you can emit uh at that moment. And right, it's that's it. That yeah. I mean that's all you can do. You're like sloth from the Goonies. I mean you can't make any real words. But anyway. Baby Ruth so, you, 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 so, so 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 Dana, my dermatologist comes in, and she has the blowtorch. Her assistant has the blowtorch, <laughs> and what this thing is, it's like I don't know what's in it. Uh, it's like but frozen. Uh, it's right nitrogen or something. Yes, and if you have like a little flaky spot, or you have a like I have this flaky spot
3: right here, or it's over here, right?
0: and so. They come in, and she's looking at it, and she's like, I can tell you're doing an awesome job with your sunscreen. You're doing a great job. I'm like, well, how can you tell? Because I ain't burnt. She was like, nope, your freckles evened out. And I was like, what's that? What? She was like, your skin tone has evened out so much, I can tell that you've been diligently wearing your sunscreen. And she goes, well, what's, what's troubling you here? And I pointed at this thing, and I got this thing above my eyebrow right here. And she's like, okay, yeah, we can, we can take care of that. And she kind of just does one of these. And she's like, okay. I was like, look, I don't want a big bubble blister all over my face. Like, how can we do this? And she goes, <laughs> you know. Lowers the <laughs> like, shield over her face. And I'm like, oh, my God, blowtorch. And I kept calling it a blowtorch. And they were, two ladies were rolling. They thought that was so funny. But I've, been, I've, spent, my, I've spent my last few days ever since the blowtorch incident uh, lathering up with Aquaphor. Y'all know what Aquaphor is? Yeah, dude, I got a, I got a two-year-old. We got oh, Aquaphor yeah, on a
1: utility belt.
0: <laughs> Parental utility belt, yeah. Pampers, Aquaphor, Desitin butt cream. Uh, uh, boogie wipes. Boogie wipes for sure. <laughs> yeah, man, all of it. Uh, and if they're young enough, you definitely have the holster with the binky in it. <laughs> you, <laughs> they're fired up. You just whip that thing out. <laughs> on like a retractable <laughs> cord. Yes, or we had this one when my kids were young. It was a puppy dog. It was a red puppy dog that was about a foot long that had the binky sewed into the dog's nose or mouth or something. And so the, the ba- our baby would hold the dog and was, had the pacifier and didn't even realize that the pacifier was there because they were playing with the little dog. Genius. Huh. Genius. Yeah, I don't know what it's called, though. I'm, that's, I'm past that stage, Wesley. What the hell
1: is so, so um,
2: Aqua 4? No, it's Aquaphor. not, it's
1: not, it's not, what is aqua for? It, it's, that's the product. It's called aqua for. Yeah, no, Aquaphor. I'm saying, Call what on. is
2: aqua for?
0: It is uh, like a lotion. It's a healing ointment, apparently. This is a poor man's aqua for from the CVS. I have it everywhere. We have it in every single room in our home. Um, I use it every day. So I fly a lot, right? I fly a lot. I fly so much that the uh, flight attendants come over and they say, Mr. Smith, good morning. Would you like your mimosa or whatever? Uh, That's how much I fly on American Airlines. Uh, And as part of my flight routine, I shove Aquaphor up my nostrils. And because I can't stand it when I get like dry membranes, you know. And so I just... don't, and I'm, I'm shameless. I'll do it right there in front, like make sure my hand's clean, you know, COVID and all that. But <laughs>
2: Someone's going to uh, snap
1: a
0: picture of you from the side. It's going to yes. be like oh, it, Seinfeld. If,
2: like, if you were flying you, and you, you see Marty do doing this, take a photo, capture it, and send it to me. I need to see this. Yeah.
0: Well, so you, I, I, I did not pay any attention really this weekend to I didn't all either. On social media. I have no
1: idea what's going on
0: outside. You're, you had a week, man. What uh, so it starts with? It starts with the most Travis thing. So this is a daily, standard operating procedure in my life. This happens all the time. Every day, I will get a text or multiple texts from somebody going, "Hey man, Dirk's Bentley's playing over there. I need tickets for my buddy, or I need tickets for me." It's uh, it's like eight o'clock at night on Tuesday night. Luke Combs. The biggest damn star in country music is going to play a parking lot show for BMI at wherever he played it. At BMI. And it was for BMI, right? Yeah, it was in their parking was at, lot. Was it at BMI? Yeah. Okay. All right. This, thing, this, this show is 24 hours away. It's going to happen at like 7.30 at night on the next night. And I'm sitting there just minding my business. Phone starts buzzing across the room. Cameron's like, Daddy, your phone's buzzing. I said, I don't give a damn, son. I don't care. Leave it. So I get up a little while later and I go over to get a beer or to fill up my water or whatever I'm doing, and it's you know five or six text messages, and the top one is from Travis. Hey man, I don't know if you saw my text, but <laughs> Luke is uh, Luke's playing a concert tomorrow night at a BMI parking lot, and I'd love to go. Like asking
1: you. Dad you, you know, for the keys to the car, at like you think 7 you can help me out.
0: Holy crap! So I mean, it's like, yes. Okay, just give me a minute. I need a minute. And so I reached out to a few friends of mine and said, I'm plug "Hey, man, some tour dates." Then I know not a single to a single soul soul has contacted you about maybe getting tickets to see this show you're playing. But think you could help me out?
2: And of course, Travis is enabled. I that, helped him out. Yeah, that was and that was uh, my. So I went out Monday night to Whiskey Jam, took Tuesday off. Then I went to that. And then it was just a complete just. What is. I've never gone to CMA Fest. Give me your play by play. What's it like? It, I mean, you can go to. There's a bunch of free ones throughout the day. There's the Crown Royal one. There's, um, there's a Chevy Vibes one. There's the Riverfront. There's a bunch of. Did you of go stages. see LV play? Uh, I didn't see LV. Uh, I saw her boy Drake White. He crushed it. Um, who else? I just went and saw um, our guest that's coming up here in a little bit, and I went and saw Ray Fulcher play. Um, I saw Cole He's go dog, Wesley.
1: Oh, I know. Ray and I are boys. Then, hey, Travis, you sound like you need a nap, bro.
2: And so speaking of hitting up Are you people, okay? <laughs> no, I'm not. I, I think, like, if I am if I sweat and you look at it, you'll taste Tito's. Um. So speaking of reaching out to people, though, uh, last Monday. Pretty
0: much the most disgusting thing that I've ever is heard in my life. That is repulsive, Travis.
2: Yes, that was absolutely <laughs> Like, disgusting. we've
0: talked
1: about uh, Marty's skin in dermatology visits, and that was still not the grossest thing on the show because you just said that. Is dermatology gross? I don't know. I feel like, I mean, if I talked about my dermatology, I got moles and stuff. I, I'm just bowing out of that well, conversation, your- I think.
0: Maybe it's because I live that life. Maybe if you don't have dermatological issues uh that need immediate attention, you are grossed out by such nah, things. I don't know. But I have 3 kids. I've wiped a whole bunch of butts. <laughs> I've wiped a lot of snot-boogers. There's nothing that really although vomit. I don't like vomit. I don't I'm not a big
1: You f- never get used somebody, to you never get used to vomit. No. no.
0: If I see somebody puke,
1: it's just bad for me. I it may, We're like, pushing Travis toward the edge right now. Somebody get some sawdust. Did, did, it, did, did y'all have sawdust in school if anyone ever puked in class? Oh, yes. It was yeah. kitty litter. It was like dude. a we had saloon in there.
0: It was, and they would, they would put powder. <laughs> they would put the kitty litter down if somebody Kitty did. litter. And then yeah. they would put this powder. I don't know what the hell that powder was, but it like. Oh, we had it, it when know, I worked like, at
1: Publix. It was like a absorbent thing it just yes.
0: yeah yes i think what it, it just creates like this blob that you can take a spatula <laughs> and pick the puke up and throw it in the trash can
2: <laughs> oh I man all right travis friday tell me about friday i saw a dude sitting on the curb just right off broadway and old boy was throwing up on himself mm-hmm. oh, like, that's yep. the worst i mean i've never that's the worst mm-hmm. so but what time of day was this oh this was like midnight one Something like that. All right. Well, he'd put in work. Um, I, I but he'd put in work at that point. Back to <laughs> concerts. Last Monday, we had Charles Kelly on. And so I was emailing um, his, his person back and forth with, you know, thanking and blah, blah, blah. And I, you know what? Let's just go ahead and shoot this one out there, too. Shoot, or shoot. I said Who hey. was it, Tyne Parish. Who were you uh, texting with? Colby.
0: Oh, awesome. Oh, cool. his, his guy. Okay, yeah, I thought yeah. you meant his PR staff. I
2: said, hey, I know it's last minute, so no is a perfectly fine answer. I go, but uh, can I get a ticket to the <laughs> Sunday show because Lady A was playing at Nissan Stadium. He said, sure. How many? I said, three would be awesome, but I'll take one. And so I got three.
1: <laughs> hey, so, worst I can say is no, right? Yeah. Or F so, off. Thank
2: you, thank you, Colby. So, yeah, I went and saw Dirks, Lady A, Old Dominion. L. King, Ash McBride came out, Breland came out at one point last night. Man, so, they've all been man, on that's the show. A, like a Marty Smith Podcast Alumni. They should call that the
1: Marty Smith right Podcast Tour. Uh,
0: well, so where are you in the recovery process right now? What time did you
2: go to bed last night? I think I got into bed at like one thirty two. I had to go okay. home and I had to take a are you shower. still buzzing right now? Um, are you still buzzing right now? no i could like if someone said if someone said you want to go drink i could go i'm hurting
0: but i can tell that see that's a different level like i can't when i got home so i felt amazing when i left the u.s bank field again we hung out till like four something in the morning and i knew it wasn't especially intelligent but when you're tossing back colons and you're catching up with your boys and you're laughing your ass off constantly telling old lies and getting in heated debates i mean we had we were solving the world's problems during that post-concert hang session and at some point i looked at laney and i'm like honey it's like four o'clock in the morning like our plane's taking off in two hours and 15 minutes we got to board that damn plane in less than two hours so we decided it would be pertinent that we leave at that moment and so we got over there, and I felt awesome when I got to the hotel. I'm packing up my stuff, like laughing, thinking about the conversations. And then, you know, those ones that just creep. I could just feel it creeping. I sat down on an airplane. Right, like, Man, right
1: behind your eyes starts knocking.
0: Yeah, hey, buddy. I could, I could use some food because, oh, I forgot we didn't eat any dinner last night. <laughs> and so I'm like, I wonder if they have any breakfast. So I had passed out when I got on the plane. Lainey never woke up. She sat down. She pulled her hood, her hoodie up, and she was out of here. Head against the window, game over. So I had passed out immediately when I got on the plane, and then I woke up starving. I was like, man, I'm going to eat, or I might. I don't want to blow a motor on an airplane. So let me me try to get some food in me. Guess what the gentleman says to me. Yes, Mr. Smith, we do have a, a breakfast option. I'm sorry I had fruit plates with yogurt, but uh, we those are all gone. I only got five of those plates. Uh, they've already been consumed, but we do have smoked salmon. If he would have given me smoked salmon, it would have been the 4th of July. Oh. Even smelling it. Dude. What in you the imagine, world
1: are they doing up there being, in
0: Minnesota? Imagine being hammered, okay? Imagine being being hammered. And, and you can feel the hangover creeping while you're sleeping. And they put smoked salmon down in front of you. Dude, it's not the right choice. Mm-mm. It is not.
1: Get the sawdust ready.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Get that kitty litter and that congealing powder ready because it's coming. That sounds awful. Uh, we're about five minutes away here from... Our buddy joining us, Ray Fulcher, is an, a great American. He is a Georgia Bulldog. He has had an amazing career. He's got a brand-new record out.
1: Travis keeps booking these dogs, man. It's not me, I promise.
0: Well, I'm guessing that that is probably uh, strategic in some way, shape, or form because West just happens to be the Georgia well, Bulldogs I think, on three reporter. I think the
1: dogs are just everywhere. I watched uh, everywhere. Hustle last night on uh, Netflix. Anthony Edwards is in the film. Um, Ernie
0: Johnson is in the film. We're everywhere. Y'all are everywhere. Casting a wide net. There is a a whole lot of dogs that are doing great things. And I, uh, Ray is certainly one of them. He, I've always stated that Chase Rice, uh, another former Marty Smith podcast alumni, alumnus, whatever. That word. He graduated. Alumni is a weird word. When do you, alumni, when do you put an E on the end? There's too many variations of the word alumni. What? It's too difficult. We need to figure it out. Is Travis a robot right now, Wes, yeah. or is that
1: my internet? No, no, that's that's me too. Travis is
0: uh, okay, melting good. down. Well, yep. He's still recording the video at a high quality, but Travis's internet is weak according to the uh, Zoom box here. Travis is hungover. Numbers. Don't worry. He's still recording at high quality. Well, I hope so. I've always said Chase was the uh, Forrest Gump of country music because he's had such a crazy, crazy life that's gone in so many unique directions. Like, okay, Chase has – he played football at the University of North Carolina, got injured, football career ends. He's like, I'm going to be a pit crew member. He goes to Hendrick Motorsports, the New York Yankees of NASCAR, becomes a pit crew member. Then he's like, man, I, I saw this ad for this television show. I might try that. He goes and finishes second on Survivor. Dang near wins Survivor. Then he's like, you know what, man? I've been, I've been thinking about maybe moving to Nashville. I'm going to move to Nashville. Okay, hey, I got this one buddy in Nashville. I'm going to crash on his couch. That buddy was Brian Kelly of Florida Georgia Line. They just happened to write Cruise together. So now Chase is a recording artist and having a great career and doing his thing. So he's like this Forrest Gump type of guy who's done all this stuff. Well, Ray is also a Forrest Gump type of, of dude. Ray... Well, he was like a champion barrel racer, I think, as a kid, something like that. He, he worked for the Georgia Bulldogs football staff. He was a, had an on-field position as an undergrad, and then I think he also did as a graduate student. He has a graduate degree from the University of Georgia. And I always thought, you know, I'm going to be a high school football coach. That's what I'm going to do, be a high school football coach. But, man, I love to write songs. I really like to write songs, and I think I have some good ones. I think I have some good ideas. And so he moves to Nashville, Tennessee, and walks into a bar, and there's this guy that he recognized there, and they strike up a conversation, and they're sitting there talking about songs and stuff they love and people they love, and, oh, man, we're huge Eric Church fans. Well, then they say, you know what? We should start writing together. Well, that guy was Luke Combs. And I know that Ray has has written so many number one Luke Combs songs that Ray is richer than we are. He now... Has an awesome new record out, and I can't wait to talk to him about it. The gentleman about whom I was just speaking glowingly, a great friend to all of us here on the Marty Smith Podcast, is the great Georgian philosopher, Ray Fulcher. Good morning, Senator. How we Good doing? Good morning. How you doing? Man, How I'm amazing, and the boys are amazing, except Travis's oh. hangover is colossal from the CMA Fest extravaganza that he I has participated I can see it in his eyes. You can Even see it in his the pic, pixelated
1: P recording.
0: Yeah. Here. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, he's hurting, dude. I'm hurting too, though. I went and saw, I was telling these guys a little earlier, brother. I went and saw Eric and Morgan at the U.S. Bank Field the other Ooh. night, and Laney and I didn't go to bed. We went straight through until we caught our six fifteen flight the next morning. Oh and, man, uh, i
3: have done that before. That hurts. I'm, that hurts after thirty, don't it?
0: Uh, I just told those boys, uh, speaking of great Southern philosophers, Hank Williams Jr. Wasn't lying when he said the hangovers hurt more than they used to. (laughs) I'm on a two day run here, Jack. How, first of all, I will say this. Um, this is one of the kindest people you will ever meet. He is nauseatingly kind as a person. He is a great friend to so many, a brilliant songwriter and, and just a wonderful person. And has a brand new album out, so I just want to start right there. How, what has this week been like for you? I don't. I've had a lot of friends who released new records. Yeah. This is a kind of a different thing, man, because this is the moment where you go, "All right, it's mine," and I'm putting my I'm putting this out there, and it's right. mine.
3: You know what, Mark? It's been. Um, it's funny you ask that question. I was just talking last night to someone. And I don't remember. A, a crazier four days or like four days span in my whole life. And the reason is because we had album release and we had CMA fest all at the same time. so Luke Combs back in when he released his first two albums, he did it during CMA fest. And after the second one, he goes, Ray, if you, whenever you release an album, never do it <laughs> during yeah. CMA fest. And so what did I do? I turned around. I did it during CMA fest. Um, and man, it, it's been, you know what it, you're you're right, you know, I made the decision to to have a debut album, have seventeen songs, kinda of do it. Do the thing that not a lot of debut artists are doing right now, which is just throw this big project out there and let let people have something to really dive into. And uh, you know, so in a lot of ways that was super exciting. In other ways that's it's kinda of nerve wracking, you know, going against the flow a little bit. But man, it's been it's been so awesome and so encouraging seeing people actually do what I hope they would do is dive into the album, and listen to it and find their own favorites. And then, you know, cause it's one thing where you go every, if, you, if you're gonna release an album, especially a debut album, there's gonna be enough people that are curious enough to listen to it the first time, but it's do they did they connect with it? And if they connect with it, that's how it, you know, that's how it will spread. And that's how um, songs that hopefully touch people get out there and, and move people and stuff. And so it feels like, that's happened and, and you know, we're just in the first few days of it, but I'm really excited about the feedback we've got so far.
1: The uh timing of Love Your Sun Go Dogs couldn't have been better. Congratulations on that. I mean
3: Yes, I know. Thank you. What Thank in you. the I'm world, still, uh, man? Yeah, don't worry, I still uh remind everybody at pretty much every show that uh <laughs> we're national champs, just in case forgot, <laughs> just in case they might have forgot or something, you know. So Well, I
0: think you had a hand in that.
3: Yeah, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think so.
0: Uh, just so you know, Ray, Travis has on the hat. But, again, since he's in uh, 130P, you can't really tell what hat he's wearing, even though he's he, a zero P. He, a, he made a valiant effort to try to show you the hat he's wearing. None of us can see it. You know, you were talking about going against the grain and doing it a little different. That's all you've ever done. Since right. you got to that town, that's kind of been yep. the modus operandi. Because I'm te- when, when you guys were writing When It Rains It Pours, just random example, everybody knows that song. When you guys were writing that song, that wasn't on the radio. Like, that didn't exist uh, in that town at that moment. So, what confidence does it give you when you know, okay, I believed in my message before yeah. and the way that I disseminate the message, why not try it now?
3: Yeah, you know, I think it all really goes back to a conversation that Luke and I had, Combs and I had back in, I guess it was probably 2015, and I'll never forget it because I've kind of stuck with it since then. He, uh, We were writing these songs that, that, you know, we were trying to kind of figure out, well, what does Nashville want? You know, what are they looking for in a song? What are they looking for in an artist? What are they looking for in a writer? And we were trying to kind of write these songs that we thought they would like or thought they would want or whatever. And then it just like we couldn't really get any traction. And I remember going – uh, we Luke and I had this conversation and we were like, hey, let's just we can't I, we can't really figure this thing out, whatever we're supposed to be doing, quote unquote. So instead of trying to do that, why don't we just let's start. Let's just write stuff that we love, that we feel that moves us, because at the end of the day, if the worst thing happened and we didn't, you know, we didn't become successful or whatever you want to call it. We can look back and have stuff that we're really proud of, and and stuff that we're proud to show our kids later on, and stuff, so that we have something that means something to us coming from, coming out of this. And I remember we go, all right, let's just double down on that. So we did that uh, for a little while, and then a couple months later, we started getting meetings for publishers for me, and then record labels for him. And I remember even even a couple months later, he Luke got turned down by every record label in town, and then we had a kind of had a a Reacon, Convenient. We were like, let's stick with our plan. Let's keep doing this. And then things happen like they happen with Luke and everybody knows that story. But what I want to tell you is those four songs, the four songs that he got turned down the first time by every record record label in town was When It Rains It Pours, Hurricane, uh, One Number Away, and I Got Away With You. And now three of those are number ones and then one of them is top three songs for me that I've ever written and so what I learned from all that is that man we just gotta what's my true north and whatever that is I'm gonna stick with that and wherever that and I have confidence that if if I'm authentic in that that people can feel that over time even if it don't show it tomorrow
1: you wrote you wrote a uh, pretty personal uh, note on your Instagram just about the journey of making this album and Having the vision for it ever since you saw Eric Church, you know, at the Georgia Theater. <clears throat> um, what was the you know what was the toughest thing about seeing this through? It's been a long time coming, obviously.
3: Yeah, you know, I think it's been a lot of things. You know, it's what we do is a roller coaster ride, and I think for me, it's um, there's so many times when I could have been, and there's a lot of people that have called me crazy for not doing this, but and that's okay. For you know, I've got the songwriting career. It's like, why not just – why not just do that? You know, I've, I've had – I've been successful in that and we have got a really good thing going with Luke and other people and other cuts and all this stuff. But for me, it was not it's, – it's, it wasn't the thing that – even though I'm super proud of that and I'm, and I'm excited about that and that is a thing that I'm going to continue to do because I do love it. But that wasn't the thing that kept me up at night before I moved to Nashville thinking about and dreaming about. And so, for me, I had to be um, – I had to be true to that and see that thing to the end. And what's, I mean, what's hard is, um, when you don't necessarily see the uh, the maybe the growth as fast as you would want or whatever. You know, we have as humans we have these kind of timelines in our head, and what they say is like, good Lord looks, he's he's gonna laugh at those because he's got his own plans. And so, what you know, but what I'm I think what I'm called to do is not know, and what we're called to do is not know the timing of it but it's to put in the work and be prepared when the opportunities come. And so, you know, there has been times where, you know, you drive, you know, 15 hours in a van and and back, you know, and you're losing money on the show. And then you're making, you're making, doing this on the songwriting side. And so there's them little, you know, them little voices in your head that go, man, what are you doing? Are you crazy? And it's not, you know, it's not being a, a, a new artist it's not for the faint of heart for sure. Um, and there's been times where, yeah, you go, Man, is this what uh you know, should I still be doing this? And then what you what I always go back to is that night at Jordan. that's why I put that on that message. I always when it gets hard, I always go back to how did I feel that night? What is my why and my why is um to move people and it's not and it was really a and I always go back to it's not about me, it's about it's about them because one at one time I was one of them, and I remember how I felt that night and how I still feel when I go see guys like Eric Church and George Strait and even my buddy Luke Combs, and I see how it how it you know affects people viscerally, and uh, you know, and that's the why. That's why I'm here. And so once I kind of come back to that home base, I'm I'm uh, I'm always good. But yeah, it's uh. They, they don't call it a tough town or a 10-year town for nothing. You know, it's, um, it's, it's a thing that will beat you up if you let it. But, and it's going to beat you up. I don't care who you are. Um, but it's kind of coming back and remembering why we're doing this in the first place. So
0: There are guys on every corner on Broadway yep. and the outer reaches of Nashville who have been told no four times, five times, ten times. And they have great songs, too. Yep. And they pack up their and they move back to Nowhere, Georgia. Yep. And and that was their path. Why did y'all work? Like why did it work?
3: You know, I uh I've wondered that sometimes too and I and I think for you know, for Luke, I think before I speak about myself, I think for a guy like Luke, he's just Everybody always asks me, is he everything that we think he is like behind the camera and i go no he's not he's even better he's even cooler than you see because he's the most down down to earth human most loyal human and most thoughtful human i've I've one of the most thoughtful humans i've ever met he also has a generational voice the first time i heard him sing I, all right i always tell people this i go there's two times in my life where i've seen something the first time and i go That's life changing. That's like something that I've never seen before. They're built so different that there's no way they can't be successful in this. And that is the first time I saw Matt Stafford throw a football. It's when he was 17 years old as a a early enrollee at Georgia. And the first time I heard Luke Combs sing. And there's just some things that you ain't gonna get in the way of. And I think those are two of those things, you know, and, but as far as the songs, go i think it all really just it just does come back to putting those blinders on and then you know i think there's a certain thing in us as a songwriter and either you either and and to me it's either you're born with it or you're not it's like this this way to kind of feel these things and and put them into words to where even if you don't say what you're feeling the listener can can feel it and and get um and get what you're trying to to say in it and have somehow evoked that emotion. And I think that, and I think the good Lord that I think I was given some of that. And I think that uh, a guy like Luke was given a lot of that too, um, you know, and I also think it's just daggone being, you gotta be a little crazy and a little stubborn and do what we do. And I think sometimes it takes a lot of, a, a lot of uh, not taking no for an answer for years and years and years and being resilient and I think when you all that stuff put together, I think you got a you got a shot, and um, and also too for for mine and Luke's thing, I think it was a timing thing. I think country music was a was at a point when Luke really kind of took off that it was really starved for that sound and for that kind of lyric, and again, it was not something that we I could that we could ever take credit for for going for being some mad scientist and being like, oh, this was. This was all thought out and planned. And we it, it happened just like we planned it, you know. We were just a couple of good old boys that were just decided we're going to do what we want to do and we're going to stop chasing. You know, we're going to stop chasing what we think we're supposed to be doing. Let's just be us. And that's when it, that's when it started working. You know, you
1: mentioned Stafford. Uh, I don't know how many people are aware of, you know, the experience you had working on Georgia's football team, going to school there and yep. all that. How, how far back does your writing passion go? Were you – like writing things on the side while you were you know doing assistant work with the dogs or were you totally focused on that and then you went into writing
3: well later on it wasn't so I was a grad assistant at Georgia after I was a student worker so during my student time there for the most part um, until later on I mean it wasn't till my I think late in my junior or early in my senior years when I uh, saw Eric you know I was 20 years old I think it was when I saw Eric for the first time and that's when I picked up a guitar and then I really didn't start writing until I was kind of in my graduate program and so when I was in my graduate program I was doing like uh you know I would come into the I think no actually it was my it was my senior years my last semester in my senior year I saw Eric earlier in my senior year because I remember this vividly I was student teaching and and really, when I when I kind of made the decision in my heart, like man, I probably should figure out what I want to do with this, and maybe it's a higher calling than just a hobby for me. Is I had I had went through all of college and I got my degree, and then I was sitting in a I was doing student teaching uh, down there outside of Athens. I was student teaching, and I remember the first day that I went into student teach, you're kind of the first week, you're you're sort of watching and you're learning and you're um, the the kind of host teacher of the classroom and i was in i remember vividly being in the back of the classroom writing my first song i was back there like i had this idea and i was writing it down i had really had no melody but i was writing these words down and i remember just this kind of juxtaposition of like i'm i'm in this place training for what i've gone to school for and i'm in the back of the classroom writing a song and that kind of was a light bulb for me that was like you know maybe i should maybe i should kind of figure out where this is going um because obviously I, I kind of felt where my heart was in that moment. But I, uh, you know, I really didn't start, and it was kind of after that, during, during my graduate time at Georgia when I was, I started kind of playing shows, and most of those were cover shows, but then I started trying to write some songs in the, um, in the meantime, kind of when I wasn't uh, working for the team. But what I did realize first is that, uh, at first is that I was, that writing songs was to me a lot like the way i made it make sense was i was like a history education major social science and we wrote so many argumentative essays these long 20 page papers and then what made it make all click for me is for being a songwriter even though the first i take i say to everybody the first 100 songs are are right you're probably gonna write 100 ones before you write your first good one. you just know that and mm-hmm. so my my first songs were not that great but the way i made them make sense as far as structure was uh I was like, okay, all a song is is a, a, a really short argumentative essay that always points back to this one idea, and then it just rhymes, and it's got a melody, and it's got this kind of scheme that it stays in. But other Sounds than that,
0: super easy. Yeah. Yeah. So,
3: <laughs> but once I made that but I was always a, re- a pretty good, I was always a really good, for whatever reason, paper writer. Like I always could kind of point i was pointing back you know in, in in a song it's pointing back to that hook like what do you want the listener to get out of it and so even if even if every single line doesn't talk about the hook specifically we're getting back to it you know and that's the kind of the same thing i do in my papers and so that's what i always say to people hey i'm not really using my diploma per se but it helped me get here because without that understanding i don't think i would have understood how a song was supposed to work either
0: i don't know a whole lot but I don't know that a single argumentative essay could ever fill your pocket quite like
3: <laughs> right. when it
0: rains, it pours. Right. Yeah. Fill your little,
3: pocket, sir. That's a little different. And they're much, uh, you know, I, I, they, uh, they're, I feel like the argumentative essays for me were like the weighted bat in the, in the on deck circle, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> a, lot, they're a lot heavier, and a lot harder to swing than that. Um, than that aluminum 20, uh, 3229. So, uh, yeah, and you're right about that. Thank, thank the Lord that I'm not writing those for a living. One of the things that I admire, and
0: I've always been this way, I, I think a lot of people are a little bit fearful and have a bit of trepidation to walk up to someone who inspires them and just say it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you, you talk about Eric, and I'm going to ask you about him in just a minute, but I yep. did the same thing. I mean, I will maintain. I, everybody knows anything about me. They know I feel this way. He saved my life. I was in a very, I I was rudderless after I lost my dad. I was lost. I was going through things, even consciously and subconsciously, that I never could have been able to crystallize and and make my way through if it weren't for sinners like me. That album saved me. And when I met him, I told him, and I was mortified, embarrassed as all hell. I couldn't believe I said it. But what that was was the seed planted that spawned one of the most beautiful friendships in my life. Certainly one of the most impactful. Now, when that person has that kind of impact on you, Ray Fulcher, as you're watching him at the Georgia theater, and then, oh, my God, I actually have the opportunity to tell him. Yeah. How did you tell him? What did you say? And this is a two-part question. This is not a press conference, but I'm going to take that liberty. Go ahead. How'd you tell him? And then, oh, my God, does to me. He actually says yes. I'm, I will sing on that track.
3: Right. Go. So, actually, the second one came before the first one, which was kind of cool that it worked out that way. So, Luke and I wrote. I'm gonna start with "Dust to Me." So, Luke and I wrote "Dust to Me" and a guy named Tyler Reeve, who you may know too.
0: I know Tyler. Uh, Great.
3: Yeah. He's an awesome yeah. guy. In 20, we probably wrote it in 20. I think uh, 16 um, before Luke's first album came out. Uh, but it was already done. So we wrote this song, and I, and we all re, I remember when we wrote it, we go, man, this would you know, it would sound awesome on this is Eric Church, and then we're, we're just kind of like, well, we can all dream, but Eric's Eric, and we're us, and we don't know how to get, you know, we don't have his number on speed dial. So, uh, but because that first album was already done, it was going to be a year and a half before Luke recorded again. In that year and a half, w- the rocket ship took off. Luke's Luke became who we know Luke as, as, to be today and then so every time that song would come up Luke and I would continue to talk about man I, you know we somebody should get that thing to Eric and I remember Luke played a thing in uh, Luke and Jonathan Singleton went to see Eric play in I think Luke Louisville I think that's where it was and somehow you know Eric and Luke got to meet and then Luke got to tell his version of Of being a fan and just you know talk to him about those first two records and how they were life changing and then somehow that night they got to listen to songs and Eric heard this song and next thing you know it's a month later and Luke's calling me telling me that Eric Church is gonna be on this song that we're writing and I remember I was in a little house in Hendersonville Tennessee at the time and he called me and goes you sitting down I go yeah he goes remember that Dust to Me song that we always said Eric would sound good on I go yeah he goes well, Eric's going to sing on it. I go, dude, now you can mess with me about a lot of stuff now. Don't be lying to me about this. I know, you're, I know you're bullcrapping me. Tell me what you really call me about. He's like, dude, no, I'm serious. I go, man, are you serious? And he goes, yeah, I'm serious. And then I'm screaming, running around the house, and then I get silent because I'm, like, so overwhelmed. I'm, like, tearing up and all this. Um, so this happens, all right? That happens, and it, that's so overwhelming. So later on that year in uh, November of, I think, 2018 i think it was we uh november of 2018 luke and i are getting an award at the bmi awards for when it rains it pours and so at the end of the night well, i'm standing there i'm talking i know that chief's in the room i mean i i'm a, i get eyes on him first time he comes out of the, there he is there's the chief there's the goat right there and so um i remember standing in a circle with my friends Uh, at the at the end and it's me and it's drew parker and it's one of my publishers and it's another guy who i can't quite remember who it was but it was four of us um at the end of the night and i remember i'm talking to these guys and i see someone out of the corner of my eye just kind of walking up to me and i kind of turn and look and as they get right up to me i oh my god it's 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 eric church walking (laughs) up to us and eric starts going around the circle hey i'm eric and then everybody's introducing themselves and they get to me and i go Hey, I, uh, hey I'm, I'm Ray Fulcher, man. He goes, stop. He goes, I know who you are. And he goes, I've been watching what y'all are doing, and I just want to say you're doing it the right way. Doing awesome. So keep it up, keep working. I know it's hard. And uh, and I said, just, I just want to thank you for uh, being on this song. He goes, no, thank you. It's an awesome song, and I promise you, if I didn't love it, I wouldn't be on it. I'm, I'm in the love of that song. It's so like it's one of my mom's favorite songs she's ever heard. I go, oh, thank you. And so, all right, Marty, you got to understand in this moment, I'm overwhelmed, and so... Did
0: you black out? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you hey, change thank, your pants? so much. <laughs> it means a
3: lot. Thank you so much for coming over here. And so, and then Eric kind of walks off. So in that first meeting, I didn't get to tell him kind of what his music meant to me. But for him to come up and say that meant more, and, you know, meant more than I could ever say. But then flash forward to the end of last year. All right, so I'm on tour with Luke Combs last year, that what you see is what you get tour. We're doing arenas and the last one is in Salt Lake City. So I I have this idea to prank Luke on the last night of tour. So I'm like, how what would be the, the funniest thing to do? So I come up with, we find this store that has, we can get an American flag. I've already got the, i've already got the chief starter kit in my suitcase Uh, i borrow my um i borrow my bass players bandana put it in the back of my thing i put a i put like a a necklace on and i put the american flag and then i get ashley mcbride's glam girl to put a little gray in my hair flick it back put a little gray in my hair and my beard so that night i pranked luke and to this day, I think three-quarters of the people there in the crowd that night thought it was Eric Church. <laughs> Even because Luke's getting all these messages. Thank, it's awesome you brought out Eric Church. Dude, and I I'm watching the fool. video right
1: now, and yeah. it, you could have fooled me.
3: Yeah. Luke thought it was, and Luke told me afterwards, because you can see it in his eyes. When I came up on stage, <laughs> he thought it was Eric for the first three or four seconds, and then you kind of see that in his eyes, like, oh, you got me. So that – but. Earlier in the year, I had planned to the next day, I'm flying to Greenville, South Carolina to go down and watch Eric play. And I'm finishing up my my touring year with a present to myself, and that's going to see Chief. So uh, I get there the next day. And then I get a random text on my phone, and, it, and it's a guy that goes, hey, this is Marshall with Eric. Um, he heard that you're going to be here tonight. He wants to hang out later. And I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> I'm like, he's like, just hang out at the end of the show. I'll tell you where to come to. So, I was with a bunch of buddies, and uh, and Marshall just goes, hey, you know, uh, I couldn't bring everybody back. I didn't ask to bring her, but didn't want to. So, um, anyway, at the end of the show, Marshall texts me, and I meet him, and I'm I'm waiting there for a little while, and Eric's kind of uh, talking to his family and stuff, and then, uh, I Marshall comes against me, and he brings me back to the back, and I turn the corner, and there's Eric. And the first thing he says to me is, Damn man, am I really that gray? <laughs> <laughs> and I go, no. He goes, man, he goes, that was pretty good last night. He goes, I got about 20 people that texted me this morning asking me why I was in Salt Lake City last night. So <laughs> um and you know, that was a really good icebreaker. And I tell you what, I spent I spent three hours with Eric that night. And that was when I finally got to tell him what his music and what those albums have meant to me. And And I left that room that night feeling like for for the first time ever that maybe I truly – and not that I didn't feel this before, but just, man, I I belong because Eric's in here and we're talking shop and we're talking about songs and he's asking me my opinion on um, this song or that song, my opinion on what he's doing. And really, and whether he cared or not, making making me truly feel like – That he cared what i had to say and 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 i got to tell him you know the reason i'm here today the reason that i've that i ever even moved to nashville is because 2006 inside georgia theater um and i'll forever go back to that moment and we got to talk about lightning and we got to talk about uh the battle of betty's love which is a song that eric wrote um that i found through my publisher that he uh he wrote back in 2000 I mean, it's 18 years old, and uh, and it, and to my knowledge, and then we then we got the courage to ask if I could record it. And to my knowledge, I'm one of only about a handful of people that's ever got to cut an Eric Church song. And that, I mean, I can't even put, a, I can't even like find a word that that describes the feeling of that. You, it's, Morgan, Keith Urban, uh Terry Clark,
0: Terry Clark cut "World Needs a Drink."
3: Yeah, and and. And I just said five because I, there's got to be another, but that's the only four that I know. Um, and then he—it's funny—he brought it up and said, "Man, that's—I uh, love that song. It just fell fell between the cracks of album one and two, and, and those—that happens all the time. It's happened, you know. It just happens because we write all the time. And and uh, and he—he said, "Man, it's an honor that it's going to see the light of day, and for someone who I respect to do it means a lot. And for Eric to say that to me, it's like." Man, what in the world is life right now? And so I just, you know, for that's kind of my story of when I got to talk to Eric about what his music means to me. But I think I want to use that opportunity even more to just go. You know, there's a reason he is who he is, man. He's just, uh, and 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 why you're as good of friends as you are because um, the the guy is just uh, kind of like Luke in the sense where I say is he as cool as everybody thinks he is? He's cooler, and is you know, they say sometimes you shouldn't meet your heroes because maybe they're not as cool. Well, I thank God I did because even cooler than I could have imagined and so just <clears throat> graceful towards me and, um, you know, and, and and I've got to, uh, I've since got to text with him about Battle of Betty's Love and, and got to send him the final version of it and to to have him, for me to get the text back, like, holy crap, man, in all caps, and mm-hmm. just go, this is everything I could have, ever wanted it to be this is freaking awesome y'all killed it and for that to come from the chief you know it's uh that is certainly a thing where you go i never dreamed that big i never dreamed that big you know so um i'm i'm really proud of that and i'm also happy that we finally got the chance to hang and and got to uh to really truly dive in and me tell him what it what what his music has meant to me
1: that validation is everything man it's so cool to actually hear that uh from your from your heroes um yeah another big dream for you and me ray watching the braves win a world series and then watching the dogs win it i saw you were in you were in houston did you have any regrets that you were not able to attend in indy for the natty
3: so you know i've I've asked myself that question too i did go to i got to go to houston and, and be there and Got to shed tears right there on the – I didn't care if it was home or away or whatever. Also, I want to say this real quick. Jorge Soler's ball still hasn't landed. No, they, they haven't uh, found it. Found <laughs> him. It's, it's on Mars. The second he hit it, I was in So I was in right field, so I had a great vantage point of that kind of launch – the launch angle. And the second it left his bat, I grabbed Drew, and we both like started tearing up because I knew that's it, baby. I mean, when that happened, that was it. So, anyway, but I'll, I'll go back to Georgia. So. What happened with that was I uh, – Luke Combs and I had already committed to do a thing for the Grand Ole Opry. It's called a, the Opry Hunt they have every year and they invite some people down. And But the thing is, if you get that invite, that's a that's a, a very – they don't take those things lightly, and it being the Grand Ole Opry, uh, I decided I should do that. But for me, I don't – the reason I don't have any regrets about it is, well, number one, I hope that I have another opportunity one day. But I am so – my my heart was just as filled watching them as it was as it would have been if I would have been there because I've been following them for so long and I've been so connected and I've been so lived, breathed, and died with the Georgia Bulldogs. that It didn't matter where I was in the world. I was going to feel like I was there. And also, too, I will say this. I know that that was the national championship, and one day I hope I get a chance to see it. But I don't know if anything in the world for me in sports will ever top uh, being in Pasadena, watching the Dogs win it overtime versus Oklahoma in January 1st, 2018. That to me is the pinnacle. I know it was the national championship, but I don't know that anything will ever top that experience for no, me. No, I'm, I'm with you, man. That was special. One of the
0: greatest games ever played, man. Yeah. yeah. Good
1: um, gosh. What, was, uh, what was Kirby like in 05 when he was back on campus for a year coaching up the running backs?
3: Yeah, so I was I was with the uh, quarterbacks then and Kirby was with, with the running backs. Um uh, I can tell you this. It was a different <laughs> It was a different feeling that running backs room. It was yeah. I mean, that dude that dude is on another level with intensity. And um, I just remember a whole lot more screaming going on in that running back corner than I remember the year before, my first year there. Um and uh you, but you could just tell I mean, that you could tell from the second he stepped in campus, like this dude's going to be successful because he ain't got no other option. Like this dude gets it, you know what I mean? And just the intensity and just the, the attention to detail and just the kind of the, the quickness of, of football knowledge and, and X's and O's was just – I always has been on a different level. But um, uh, I do remember there being a quite a bit of increase in intensity in that room when he got there. And I don't think that's ever changed with him.
1: Marty, we found out that uh Kirby is a coors light guy. He was at the Braves game the other day and they oh, caught him on the jumbotron yeah. with, the, with well, the Coors. Based
0: on based on so after Georgia won the national title, I was standing on the field forever and ever and then ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and ever, <laughs> and ever waiting to interview Kirby Smart and Stetson Bennett. For the Southeastern Conference Network and for the Sports Center Television program. I'm not kidding you. It was if it was one minute, it was two hours. I waited for those yeah. guys. Well finally they come back out of the press conference, <laughs> locker room, whatever. And Kirby comes running over to me and he like mauls me, Oh my God, yeah. we did it, we did it, we did it. He's pumping his fist in the air. I was like, How many cold beers are you gonna drink tonight? He goes, I might just turn it up to a whole other level <laughs> oh,
3: no. than cold beer, <laughs> son.
0: Damn. Uh, that's One thing I like about me. that's one thing, one thing I love about
3: Kirby Smart, son.
0: He ain't afraid of no damn cold beer.
3: Uh, he ain't afraid of it, no. He <laughs> just old South Georgia boy. It's
0: uh, <laughs> like I said to church the other night, I said, uh, w- 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 it's a bad day to be a cold beer. <laughs> that <sure laughs> and, is. and Ray Fulcher's gonna write that song in 20 minutes when he hangs up with Dang us. I'm right.
3: uh, uh, writing it down.
0: I uh, you know, it meant a lot to me, brother. We, we, we'll let you run on this. We kept you forever, but. No. It meant a lot to me that you cared enough about me to send me the record early. Yep. I have listened to it constantly, constantly on the boat, uh, hanging out, doing work, chopping wood. Chopped all okay. kind of damn wood last week. Yeah. Redneck, <laughs> I love it. And there, it, it, is, it is so good. And uh, so good I, I wrote Ray back, y'all. He, he texted me his record back uh, end of May. And I love life-changing money. I love it so much. I love bucket list beers. I love compliment. Like, if y'all have not heard this, you have to go get it because it's just so well done. Uh, I, want, I, I would love to know this. Mm-hmm. It's difficult for artists to, you probably had, uh, let's call it 35 songs yep. that you wanted to choose from. You may have mm-hmm. had 100, paired it down to 30. And then yep. had to get it to sixteen, seventeen, whatever that yep. number is. Yeah. How do you define what song makes it and which ones don't?
3: I don't know what other people's process is, but but for me, I've made every big decision I've ever made in my life with my gut. It just all comes down to, is it, and I remember just just looking down on that page, you know, and also, just what do I want? What do I want the theme, or what do I want the feel of this album to be? And for me, it was a foundation of what's whatever comes after this, and leaving room for growth, but also being when you get done with this record, I want people to know um, kind of every corner of my soul. Who who is Ray Fulcher, and who is he as an artist? And and every little corner of that. And for me, it was if it didn't if it didn't kind of if the song didn't um, speak to that, then it probably didn't make it. But I mean, it was. When it got got down to twenty five songs, it literally was just a
0: It's I a laborious I, process. I like yes. it's a it's like picking kids, y'all.
3: Yes. And I and I would get down and just go I would look at you know, there was sometimes I would look at two songs for two weeks, going, All right, which one is it? And then I would just go I'm gonna sleep on it and tomorrow I'm on the side <laughs> and whatever and it literally was just it was that thing when you kinda move this one, you go I can't have this record without that song. Yep. You know what I mean? And then the other one, well, maybe maybe it makes the next record or whatever. But And then one, it was all just a gut feeling. And it really didn't until I could go down the list. And that's why it's 17 instead of 12 songs. I didn't think I could tell my first chapter with 12 songs. Yep. I 13. was going to ask you how you, know you
0: settled on 17, and it does not surprise me that you settled on 17 because – the process was so difficult. It's not y'all. It, it, I, I've not been, I'm, I'm not a, a recording artist. I've never been in that moment, but I got enough buddies that are, that I know the visceral reaction that comes with. That is such a piece of my soul. I cannot, because if it doesn't go on this record, it may never see the light of day for the rest of time. 100%. And that's a, that's a, that's so finite. So hard. Yeah. It's so damn hard. I can't imagine.
3: Yeah. You know, and um, but for me, you know, it's funny. You talk about life-changing money. That was that one. That was that was set number seventeen, where I go. I can't put out a first record without this song. on. It's
0: so good, man.
3: Because I've been like I'm the guy in that character, and have it's just. In 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 its own in its own way, it's kind of the, my version of the does to me, where it's like, you know, to most of it didn't sound like much, but to me back then it was life-changing money. You know, and so it's just that coming of age thing um but also real quick too and this thing right here marty i sat right here for a specific reason my good buddy drew parker and i knew that you would appreciate it my good buddy drew parker gave this to me his dad made it for me and that is the sound wave of eric church singing a worn out blade my granddaddy gave me no way is
0: it really i just got chills I I, i
3: literally just got chills singing uh that's the uh, bridge it does to me right there Uh, eric pulled it straight off the screen and and made that that is a that is the
0: coolest thing i've ever heard in my life that is that is a
3: amazing gift so when i'm having a hard day in this living room and i go what the what in the hell am i doing and and, you know and all this i look up there and go all right let's rock. that's how
1: travis feels when he edits our podcast he takes out clips (laughs) of waveforms
3: and just gets inspired he's
0: He's going he's gonna to take that and tattoo it down his forearm.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Don't worry, I've thought about doing that with this. <laughs> I
0: would if I were you, son. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your story. And, 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 and just what an amazing friend. I'm thrilled for you. I'm thrilled for your success. And your soul is going to impact. You know what it's done for me. You know how you have impacted my life because I'm fearless to tell those things to my friends that do that, and this record is going to have that effect for millions of people, and I'm just so happy for you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank
3: you so much, and I want to say something to you, Marty. Thank you for uh, being the friend that you have been, and I will say the coolest to this day, you know, we've talked about some cool phone calls and and, and texts and all this, but one that sits right up there for me is that text I got on a Monday last October. And you said, can you be in Athens, Georgia on Saturday to do love you son go dogs on on the air? Because that is a moment that I promise I will cherish that for the rest of my days. So thank you for believing in me and uh, hats off to y'all for doing an awesome job. <music> As y'all
0: learned last week, we have a brand new partner here on the Marty Smith podcast, and we are pumped that Moultrie is part of our family. For more than 35 years, Moultrie has pioneered the game management category. Today, Moultrie is one of the best selling brands of game cameras and feeders in the world, and it continues to innovate with new technology that hunters and land managers rely on. That includes me. I'm sending a whole bunch of them up to my land in Virginia so that I can keep tabs on these big bucks they keep telling me about. They send me these iPhone pictures of the bucks on my land. Uh Uh-uh. I want that trail camera. Defined by the foundations of reliability and ease of use, Moultrie products are always field-tested and designed for hunters by hunters. Combining forward-thinking innovation with time-tested practicality, Moultrie consistently demonstrates what it means to be the most trusted name in game management. We are so grateful. The Moultrie's on board. Make sure you check them out. It's Moultriefeeders.com. That is M-O-U-L-T-R-I-E-F-E-E-D-E-R-S.com. Moultriefeeders.com to learn more. I am going to tell you something, fellas. That he, Ray is just such a wonderful person. And everybody in his sphere, his friends are great people, and I just it it is so cool to me. Even though it's hard for Eric to be the guy that now Eric's not the guy, not the, the Christofferson or the or the John Prine or the Merle Haggard that he looked up to. Eric's now the guy that all the young guys are looking up to, and they're all telling him now, and it's like, oh my God, when did I become that guy? I'm still the man. I can't. I can't be the guy they're all like singing about. Thomas Rhett, Thomas Rhett singing about Eric Church. Ray singing about Eric Church. Luke's singing about Eric Church. All-
2: Eric is LeBron James. Like there's all these new basketball players are looking up to. Like LeBron was their hero.
0: Well, it's staying power. That's quite an equation of why. First of all, the songs are The songs are historically great. Chief came out in 2011. Chief is one of the ten greatest albums in the history of the format, and when you look at the age that all those guys were when Chief came out, it was one of those indelible moments where you're really finding who you are and coming of age in your teen years for these guys, and that's why. And we, I mean, we talked about it the other night. I just had this conversation with him uh, less than forty-eight hours ago, and it's just it's cool to hear the reverence and how that, about that gift that Drew gave. <laughs> that drew gave ray what an amazing gift that is so neat and really appreciate him he's just a great american y'all go get that record go get it consume it stream it because it's it's so good and i have been obsessed with it for the last two weeks he sent it to me in late may and i've just been obsessed and he's confirmed for us that kirby smart is intense oh who didn't know that
1: um i mean marty you've we are talking about the cutting room floor of his album. I mean, you've written a book. I'm sure there's a lot that, that was difficult for you to cut out and, and and things that, you know, it's like Mark Twain said, I I didn't have time to write you a short letter. So I wrote
0: you a long one. It's hard. It's so, so what's interesting is even, there is a lot that, that I left out of that book that I think would have fit in. and, And anybody that knows anything about never settle my book, uh, I wrote it like a record album I did that on purpose I wrote rather than it being your standard operating procedure of how books normally go especially a memoir type of format I did it's not a memoir I would not call it a memoir but there's a lot of those elements in it it's very personal and I wanted to take 20 different stories that were individual tracks that when put together made an album that took you on a thematic journey and the thematic journey is how all of these different individuals have impacted my life and changed my life and i remember speaking of eric i remember before chief came out i remember him being on the being on the bus and him just pacing back and forth back and forth back and forth i was like what is, what is wrong with you dude sit down and he was like you just don't get it man you've never been in this position and i'm like what i had heard the record and it was, I knew it was just uh, the most unbelievable thing I'd ever heard in my life. And he's like, "When you anything that's worth a damn is vulnerable, and I've, I'm really vulnerable in this album. And he was right. I didn't get it until the night before Never Settle came out. In no way, shape, or form am I comparing my career to his. But the vulnerability aspect is the exact same thing. And here's how. If you pour yourself into a project like that, it is a piece of your soul. And you have to be okay if you've made yourself that vulnerable. You have to be okay with whatever energy comes back to you, no matter what that energy is. And that's very, very scary. And I've just been, certainly, I mean, Chief was life-changing for millions of people, trillions of people. And um, I am grateful that that book has had an impact on people. It's had an impact on people's lives. And I'm really, really appreciative that they take the time to share that with me. And I'm going to tell you too something else. I'm starting to get more and more and more and more feedback from people about what we're doing here. I'm hearing it, it good, all the is time. Is it good feedback? It is. And, and what it is, is not like we cut up here and we make fun of each other and we bust each other's chops and all that. But people appreciate the raw, real authenticity of this podcast and I know we may not be many right now, but they are passionate, and I am so grateful that all of you guys who listen take the time to do that. Tell all your friends, please, and another thing you should tell your friends is, you see this hat on top of my head? This is one of our three flag hats in the Outsider Store, and you can get those right now individually, but if you buy all three right now, you can get 25% off of that order. It is shop.outsider.com, go there. Got all kinds of cool stuff. There's 12 different hats to choose from. There is is merch to choose from, and we're just getting started. Uh, We are about to unveil some things here in the next few months that I cannot wait to talk about. We have, you guys are gonna be thrilled by a couple other things. (laughs) A couple of the things that we have coming up here as we make our way towards the fall. Hey, um, Marty, are you going to be in Nashville next week? I think I'm going to head up there. I am going to be in Nashville next Thursday, June 23rd. Y'all come out. We are going to be doing a live show there at Losers. Y'all know it well. If you've ever been to Nashville, it's where they do Whiskey Jam. And it's going to be an amazing weekend, actually. Not just on Thursday, but all the way through the NASCAR race on Sunday. Outsider is unifying with NASCAR to create a really cool opportunity for our listeners, our consumers, all the fans. And Wes and I are going to do a live show. Jay Cutler is going to do a live show. He's going to have a few special guests. We're going to have some guests, and we would love if you guys came out. Please do. Nashville is buzzing. I mean, Nashville is buzzing right now. I know a lot of you guys who live there like Travis Rockhold, or kind of sick your wounds a little bit after CMA Fest. But please come out. Uh, we're, we're, I'm dragging Chase Elliott out for sure. Uh, he told me he's going to be in town already, so I'm making Chase come out. He'll be hanging out with us. He's the number one heartthrob in all of motorsport, and so all of y'all come out. We'll have uh, music. They'll be playing music after our show's over. We'll drink some cold beers. Wes and I will be hanging out. I imagine Cutler will be hanging out. I don't know. Travis, I imagine he'll be. Uh, are you
1: taking uh, like input, like ideas for the show? i have just. I got a, like a few ideas.
2: I mean, I I will take anything under advisement. So I mean, what, let's hear it. Can we get like a like a high school marching band? Just to play. I mean, there's literally going to be a concert afterwards, Wes. I I I did that just for you guys. We're gonna. You're you gonna said gonna that up. You guys gonna be on from five to six, and then Whiskey Jams on it right after okay. us. You know. Do
0: we know who's playing at I'll Whiskey Jam yet?
2: It. We we do not know the list yet. They hold that close to vest. Um, Why do they put us at losers? I know they do.
1: It, should should we take that personal?
2: Well, technically, our show winners and losers are right next to each other. We're technically gonna be doing the show from winners, but it's right they're they're right there together. Winners and losers. Tomato tomato.
1: I don't know if that's how that works.
0: either way y'all need to come out please hang out we don't want to feel like i've been poindexter my whole life i don't have a whole lot of friends so if y'all could come out and make me feel like i have friends that'd be awesome i'd appreciate that and again we're gonna we'll be there hanging out having a great time am i allowed to drink i mean may as well just keep it rolling buddy i mean i feel like you have a tito's transfusion anyway so just keep it keep it rolling what do you put in your Titos? Like club soda, Titos. Soda,
2: soda, and I usually tell them to not put the lime in it.
0: Why? Why don't I, you got a problem with limes? I put because lime then in you my either get lime, scurvy
2: because you <clears throat> just get like little pieces of lime in your mouth, like the and then like, it's, like pulp. <laughs> and then also it's either, you like, are you get,
0: such a pain
2: in the ass. It is <laughs> get, unreal. What you either get no lime I, flavor or you get all of it, and also a lot of these bars, I don't really trust these limes and how they've been cut and if they're where they've been sitting out, you know. So, all right, Travis, anything, give me
1: your assessment on this because I, I had both of these uh, summer treats over the weekend. The flavor ice that you push up out of this out of the plastic tube. Who wins in a head to head between those and uh, ice
0: cream sandwich? Oh, that's easy.
2: The, the the freeze pops win. I know what I'm taking. The freeze. You're pop taking pop.
0: flavor ice over ice cream sandwich. Are you, no, are, you are you outside? I'm taking ice cream sandwich eight days a week. But see, okay, are you, are
2: you outside? Are you, dr- are you drinking?
0: <laughs> I don't know, dude. I mean, because if I'm eating ice cream, I'm probably not drinking.
2: That's what, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you're outside, I'm assuming you're drinking, so you go with the freeze pops. If you're not drinking, then you can go with the ice cream sandwich.
1: You're going to you put you some Tito's had... in your freeze pop.
2: I mean, those are Would delicious. a freeze
0: pop freeze if it was made of Tito's? I don't think so. Tito's doesn't freeze.
2: Mm-mm. So you have to put some rum, right. right? Put some Bacardi in it.
0: When I was at the Indy 500, the uh, Larry's Gang family, they, uh, they had some jello shots. I've not seen one of those in uh, two decades or so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I chose against that. If, I, if you want to see that uh, kitty litter and that <laughs> congealing powder, <laughs> hand me a jello shot. All right, that's enough. I, I actually got to pack up. I'm going to New Jersey. Um, got, got a lot of packing to do. Got a lot of work to do. Uh, got some fellas outside right now cutting a humongous tree down. That's going to be a little dicey. They got a tree that's like leaning over real far. Big old tall white pine. And it makes me worry about like my fence outside and my boat dock and all kinds of stuff. So well, you you'll
1: end up there. chopping it down anyway. Hey, uh, uh, in, enjoy your gabagoo.
0: What the <laughs> hell does that mean? <laughs> They're going to Jersey.
1: You're going to New Jersey, man.
0: What in the world did you just say? Didn't you marry?
1: Didn't you marry into yes. like the a New Jersey family? Like I did, I did.
0: You don't know what Gabagool is? No. You, you you watch the Sopranos. sounds like a real bad Halloween outfit to me. What?
1: This is outrageous! It's damn outrageous. All right. Well, report back when you find out what Gabagool is.
0: Okay, I will. All right. Uh, Thank you so much, law enforcement officials all over the country working hard to keep our community safe. Fire and rescue, first responders, uh, you guys are so brave, courageous. We appreciate you. In the United States military, we are free. Thank you all. You all have a great week. We appreciate you. Thanks so much for listening. Subscribe, rate, review, follow, hit the button, do whatever you got to do, ring the bell, click the sticker, all that stuff. Go buy a hat. And we'll see you later, boys and girls.